Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000 is the number. Just want to give a shout out to the Johnson family and congratulations on healthy mom and healthy baby. I just got that notice right here at 4 p.m. It was at 10.30. Well, actually last night, uh, we or yesterday, we received an urgent prayer request that uh, there was a crisis in the womb. And this today at 10.30, we, ta- we got a note um, that the umbilical cord was wrapped around the baby. But now, right now, this second, breaking news. But we don't know, uh, boy or... Uh, uh, I think. I don't know. They put blue and pink hats on them now. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Everything went perfectly. Good as could be for the situation. We have a healthy mom and baby. So we still don't know. But I think they said, I think they've, uh, see, this is where my memory uh, doesn't serve me well. But at any rate, we rejoice with the Johnson family um, and Brad. Um, Brad, I, I want to know the name. <laughs> They were hiding it from us. God bless you guys. We're so grateful for such a great outcome. 303-690-3000. Text me, 720-336-0897. And we're taking your calls, questions, and your texts. That 720 number is a text line. And we want to make sure I got everything in order here. All right, here's the name. Isaiah Leon. Yay! We've been waiting and waiting to meet little Isaiah. Welcome to the world, and hopefully Brittany's resting uh, well, and uh, we rejoice. So good. What a great outcome. 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your questions. 720-336-0897 is the text line. We have service tonight. We're back in the book of Genesis We've had so much sickness flow through uh, this place lately and my home uh, that I haven't been, I don't think I've been here for the last two Wednesdays. I'm not sure. But we are back in Genesis, uh, and I'm looking forward to being with the saints tonight. Our prayer time will be from the women's ministry and uh, just growing in grace together. Um looking forward to all that the Lord has for us, and you are invited. Listen, you're invited no no matter where you are. Uh, You could be in another state or in another country and join us online. There's a lot of debate today about online services. I I don't know. I don't know if the church is better at arguing than they are at evangelism, or there's always something new to argue about, but we have had online services since we as a church could afford the technology. 
Uh, we are big proponents of ministering in the building and outside of the building. So we have tried to the best of our ability to use the latest technology. Um, I don't know that we're cutting edge, uh, but we really try to be. And we've got a team here that's been assembled under under Josh uh, that has just and and his team that have just accelerated uh, our technology. And and even Matt, who's host, who's our producer today, is a big part of that team. Uh, but before that, it was very primitive. And you know, back in the day, to get our studies online, uh, there was a brother here, Irwin. And, and his wife, Cindy, he was, he's been a part of our church from the very beginning. He would take the CDs, excuse me, we didn't have CDs back then. He would take the cassette tapes and play them into his computer and whatever technology he was using back then. And then he would take the file and somehow edit it, create a real audio file. And then we had to figure out a way to get the real audio file to point. And, the, and, and that was, I mean, we wanted people to listen to the studies for free. We wanted a free way to make them available, even when the technology was hyper primitive. And now, of course, we don't even give CDs out anymore. Uh, you just go to the online, you just download our app. Uh, and so here's the thing. Uh, watch us online. And if that's how you want to participate in worship right now, please participate. And of course, the Bible says not to neglect gathering together. Of course, the Bible says, be together with other believers. Of course, online is not the same as being in person. But sometimes it's prohibitive. Sometimes you uh, are sick. I've been, like, I've been sick. Sometimes you have car problems. Who knows? Sometimes you want to watch, have a watch party. Um, And so we're always going to have technology, and we're going to, we're going to try to Use every form of technology that's possible to reach every generation. Anyway, 303-690-3000. You can, watch, you can join us. We're on Hampton and Tower here in Aurora, Colorado. And our service time is Mountain Standard Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 7 p.m. All right, let's go to the phone lines. I have everything in order now. And let's ho- head over to uh, line number two is Paul in Greeley. Paul, welcome to the program. Hi. Hey. You're so on the air. My question is, um, like, uh, is backsliding, is that, like, biblical? It is. Okay. Yeah, the first time we find that English word in our English translations is in the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's found in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 14. And it says, The backslider in, an, in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. And so it's good to have that English word, but the, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament is a word that means to fall away or to turn away. Uh, and, and yeah, it's an absolute, not only is it a bit, not only are, are, are people call backsliders, nations are called backsliders uh, in the Bible, but it does reflect, no matter what English word we choose to use, it does reflect a person who has a relationship with God and has chosen not to live in that relationship temporarily. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Great question. I actually did a whole Bible study on this 
Um, it's one of those words that um, questions you ask me. A lot of people are asking them. So if you want a copy of that um, Bible study, text uh, text us on the text line, and I'll respond with a link to that Bible study. Um, okay. I I don't know if I can do that because I'm driving right now. Okay. So you can I always email me when you get home if, if you want it. Down or yeah, you can you can go to our website. Let me just see. I think if you go to our website under the messages, let me put the word backslider in. Yeah, you okay. can just put the word backslider and, it, and that message will pop up. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, bro. God bless you. God bless you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, I did a whole series on this topic when we were in Hebrews uh, because it's a very important principle to understand uh, when we watch people fall away. The word backslider also is a word that goes alongside the word apostate or apostia, ap, <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, in the Greek. It means to fall away. Uh, it's the same principle. And I guess the, the, the illustration that we have of it uh, that's most accurate to the Greek and the Hebrew word is the prodigal son. Um, he never stops being a son, but he really stops living like it. He stops living in relationship with his dad. He stops honoring his dad. <clears throat> he stops um, appreciating and loving, and he, he no longer um, lives based on his relationship, and that's what a backslider does. They do their own thing. They are in their own headspace. Um, they are not living in a way that honors God. 303-690-3000 is the number. Give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text me, 720-336-0897. The text line is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we would love to hear from you. 303-690-3000. Chris uh, texts us, uh, excuse me, um, it's not Chris, they said, hello, friends in Christ. Uh, I need your prayers. I feel like the evil one is winning over my children, my son to alcohol, violence, and my daughter to hate. Would you please pray for them? Father, we pray for this family under the spiritual attack of the enemy and the willful human decisions of the daughter and the son. And I pray, God, that you would be with them. I think it's mom that's texting, that you would help her with this very challenging situation, that you would give her the needed strength, and then there's something special about a mom's love, and so I pray that she would not lose her love for her kids as the situation is very, very challenging. In Jesus' name, amen. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number Text me, 720-336-0897. So today we are going to be in Genesis chapter 6, and I'm going to look at the study here quickly. We're going to finish Genesis 6, and I titled it, Finding Grace in an Ungracious World. 
And haven't you found it to be true that we live in a very ungracious world? And it's the second part of our study last time, looking at the days of Noah, looking at Noah himself. And I love, we, we ended off our study last time with this phrase, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of the one of the, no, not one of, the worst time in human history related to sin, sinful behavior, the, the situation is drastically difficult. I don't, there's not even words to describe it. And Noah, his word, his name means rest, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we're going to expound on that a little bit tonight in a different way. The previous study, I, we looked at it from the perspective of, you know, finding grace, and Noah found grace um, in the sense that he was looking for it. But the context is really not that. It's that he received grace. You know, it was discovered by him in a world that was ungracious and unkind and filled with sin. Noah received the grace of God. It was the grace of God finding Noah, not God, not Noah finding grace. Although it's a great application, uh, because if if grace comes to you, you're going to discover it. You're going to find it. So the application is accurate, except that we wanted to. I want. I dealt with the application first. So we're going to expand and expound on other all the way through the end of the chapter. Because here at Calvary and the Calvary Chapel that's near your house, uh, we study the Bible verse by verse. We don't teach from the Bible, we teach through the Bible. And that's a big distinction. Um, there are churches that use the Bible, that have Bibles, that refer to the Bible, but they don't teach through the Bible. They don't take you through every word, every verse. They don't take you through the context. So much false teaching exists today because men and even women have taken the Bible out of context, and they take a little verse here and a little thought here and a little thing there, and they make up their own deal. And that's not going to feed you. That, that, it might be encouraging, and I felt so much better. Do you know sometimes when you leave church, you shouldn't feel better? That, that's the truth. You shouldn't feel better when God reveals sin in your life. You shouldn't feel better when you are a part of the problem. I mean, we're studying um, in Acts chapter 6 about the murmuring and complaining, and as hard of a situation it was ministering to hurting widows, and they need to have compassion and empathy, that doesn't mean murmuring and complaining is okay. And then when it's when we just share that, I, I, just saying it right now, just saying, murmuring and complaining is a sin. The Holy Spirit will use that in some of you listening right now, and you're like, well, that's me. And that shouldn't make you feel comfortable. It should stir you to love and good works. And say, so, you know what? I, I've been complaining. And, and I, I know that that's a, sin, that's a sin. Why am I complaining? And I told our church recently, I said, hey, you see a problem and you choose to complain about it, just understand you are not making anything easier. You're just making it harder. But if you see a problem and you're a part of the solution... Not only is the problem solved, but people are blessed, and we can move on with energy and efforts toward somebody else, something else, to progress the gospel instead of to regress going backwards. So it's going to be a great study tonight. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I had it prepared to deliver last week, but I got sick. And uh, 
I don't like missing service, believe me. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not fond of not being with our church family, um, especially being sick. But the Lord is good, and hopefully I have enough voice for us tonight. But the phone lines are surprisingly quiet. 303-690-3000. They are wide open. Give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the number. Or you can text me directly. 720-336-0897. I want to give a shout out to everyone listening live on the Radio by Grace Network. Everyone listening live on Grace FM Network. And then all of you listening one week delayed on Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, and everyone listening live online or on gracefm.com, welcome. Grateful that you're a part of today's program. Here's a text request. Pray for me and my family. I have COVID and praying that they don't get it. Lord, we pray for Josh as he is fighting COVID. And we specifically agree with him uh, that the rest of his family would not get it. This latest strain uh, is um, uh, pretty heavy uh, to many, uh, but I'm grateful, God, that the immune system that you've given to us and even medications that you've created uh, can help fight disease and keep people safe. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Another text question is Matthew 24 talking about the rapture. Some people say it is. Some people say it doesn't. I mean, certainly some parts of Matthew 24 seem to hint at a rapture, um, but most of Matthew 24 is warnings about the judgment and the great tribulation. When it says one will be in the field and the other one taken, I do not believe is a reference to the rapture, but good Bible scholars disagree with me. Um, the context is more speaking of judgment than it is of um, the idea of 50% of the population uh, is going to be raptured out. There's many other um, uh, places that you could find the rapture. Uh, Matthew 24, 40 says, two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Uh, watch, therefore, you don't know the... Uh, that I I don't believe that's a direct reference to the rapture. I understand the arguments on both sides, but um, I don't believe the the idea of of this is it's under the context of the days of Noah, the coming of the Son of Man will be, um, and the immediate judgment that will come. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Uh, phone lines surprisingly op- uh, filled up fast. So let's see. Um, he is still screening them. So here's another question. My question about Leviticus 25, how do Christians deal with this verse from foreign lands being treated differently? Well, let's first look at it. Leviticus 25.42. Leviticus 25.42. For they are my servants who I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him with rigor, but you shall fear the Lord. Okay? Uh, And the question was, how do we deal with that verse? Um, the, the, The way that we deal with it is, first of all, understanding its historical context and understanding who it was spoken to. 
Uh, and this is a statement of mercy from God. Unlike the nations around them, children of Israel would treat their servants or their slaves or much of slavery, even during the time of the nation of Israel, was not slavery as we understand it today, especially in our own culture. It was a work relationship, and God is telling them to be careful on how they treat different classes of those that are serving them. Um, and how do we de- deal with it, Ian, in terms of if the... Qu- I, I think this is a great question to call me um, so that you can explain to me what angle you want. I mean, I can answer the larger questions. This verse is not an approval of slavery of any kind. It is not God's approval of slavery of any kind. Um, there, There is a relational aspect to this. This is a merciful um, instruction uh, related to those that would work the fields and work um, with for the exchange of money and the exchange of housing. Um, but in a broader sense, it definitely is a troubling passage of Scripture that has been misused to hurt and to harm and take advantage of human beings in the realm of slaves. And the Mosaic Law, remember, uh, was giving was giving a very specific social structure for ancient Israel, and he was leading them away from the pagan beliefs and the Egyptian beliefs of their day, and teaching them on how to <clears throat> how to treat people mercifully. Um, Slavery is not approved by God, and the Bible is the final authority of life and order, and what we need to do is understand that the sinfulness of man has existed from the fall of in the Garden of Eden, and the sin of slavery has existed as long as as often just like murder as quickly as someone could take advantage of someone else. And even in, in other parts of Scripture, um, slaves were, be, were to be treated as humans, that they are, and kidnapping uh, for the purpose of slavery is condemned and given the death penalty in Exodus. Um, and so uh, I don't know what angle you want to take, but I would love to talk to you if you want to call 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Uh, let's go back to Greeley, Colorado. Leonard, welcome to the program. How you doing? Good. Good. Hey, I have a question. It's kind of troubling. Um, I had uh, this guy ask me this question, and I told him I, I tried to get an answer for him. But So you know in Genesis where Cain kills Abel, his brother, right? Yes. And then I think he's given a, a seal so that nobody would murder him, because if they murdered him, then they would be cursed. But he goes off to the land of, is it Nod or Non or something like that? Okay, yes. Okay, so my question is, is how could he have gone to the land of Non or Nod um, if, um, if Adam and Eve 
were the first on Earth? I guess that's my question. Were they de- were they descendants of Adam and Eve? Um, I, I I mean, it's not really clear because I I think it was Cain and Abel and then Seth, correct? Yes. And then whoever else came about. So did God create other humans on Earth? Uh, I guess that's that's kind of a a troubling question for me. Yeah, I think the best answer is, and people have done this, done the math on this in particular, but the best answer to this is that time passed. A lot of time passes. And in relation to, we don't give, we aren't given this specific, obviously time has passed in relation to Cain and Abel with them being old enough to know how to sacrifice, how to work the fields and kill each other. So during that time, uh, the population can continue to grow, and what's the population growing is not recorded for us. Like not every single event, not every single baby, not every single um, branch and lineage of families are recorded for us. And when people are living to be a thousand years old, there is there is um, a possibility for rapid population growth, number one. Number two, another way of looking at this uh, is understanding that as Moses is writing, Moses is giving information after the fact. So when you give information after the fact, you have more information than when it happened. So for example, if I just watch you head east uh, from our church, right? So if you head east from our church, uh, it's just going to, after you pass the dump, it's just wide open. And then we watch you right. right into the sunset. And then 50 years later, I write something and I say, oh, I remember the day Leonard was here. And we said, get out of here, Leonard. And he walked down uh, Hampton East and he passed the dump toward uh, Taylorville. And you go, well, Taylorville? Taylorville wasn't there 50 years ago. I know, but it is now. And so right. I'm giving that information I'm I'm speaking of a past event with current information, or I'm speaking of past event of the potential. Like so, with more information, I can say things as I'm writing it that were different than when they were experienced. But I I lean toward the population explosion. It was very rapid, very difficult, and Nod, um, you know, the the reality of the land of Nod or the area of Nod uh, would not be unreasonable for God to be able to to inspire Moses to write that as he's describing the situation. I guess the other thing I'm, I'm thinking about, too, just now, something that just kind of uh, came into mind was when the patriarchs um, went um, with Joseph back to to Egypt, Yes, and they were there for, what was it, Was how many years? And then uh, they, they totally, like, populated, uh, overpopulated very rapidly. Egypt, correct? Yes, very rapidly. And, you so, know, it's going to be much more in the book of Genesis because the the, the protective ozone layer is still there. There's The genetics is still um, very pure. I mean, they're living to 900 years old. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Hey, and can I have a, I, I guess I want a prayer request too. Or, yes. Um, or um, myself and my family, I'm just, I'm just struggling with them. Um, with the thorn, and I just um, I I want God to just lift me out of it because it's 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 enough to probably wreck my mm. my family. 
Father, I pray for my brother as he faces a very difficult, ongoing uh, trial that could wreck his family, Lord. And I pray you'd give him the strength and the wisdom and the tenacity and the ability to walk in your wisdom, to make wise choices today, right choices today, to anything that needs to be made right, give him wisdom and strength to make it right today. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Bless you, brother. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You hear Bye-bye. the music. We'll be right back. we got a couple people online. Stick around. It's a very quick break. This is Calvary Live originating from Aurora, Colorado. We'll be right back after a couple-minute break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of today's program. Taking your calls and your questions, 303-690-3000 is the number. Let me uh, go right to the phone lines. People have been waiting we're going to head out to Florida now. Lisa, welcome to the program. Um, hi. Hi. Hey. Okay. All righty. Um, I guess the question I, I'm going to start off with. Hi, Pastor Ed. I'm so sorry. That's okay. You're on the I air. I did not think I was going to get through. I apologize. No problem. Um, so, okay. In your opinion, do you, um, does God still support the death penalty. I probably worded that incorrectly. Do you think that God um, agrees with the death penalty? Or... I do believe God approves of the death penalty in certain situations, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so, okay, this is the reason why I'm a bit confused about this. Okay. If, I know that in the book of Leviticus, um, uh, and when God gave Moses the laws, I know that there were parts of the laws in which he said, you know, in certain sins, you put a person to death. Yes. But if Jesus said that I came to fulfill the law. Yes. And would would that be considered a part of fulfilling the law? And the reason why I ask that question is because I cannot remember what chapter, um, what, what um, book of the Bible. Yes. Um, where God said that I decide what sin is punishable by death. Okay. I'm not familiar with a passage that says that in that way, but let's go to your first question because you're raising some really good concerns. And this is a debate, um, a really important debate in our culture today. And there's even biblical confusion about it. Um, We know that the great, let's start with what we know. The greatest capital punishment is going to be experienced by you and by me despite the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so it is a certainty that every single human being will die as a penalty for their sin. Now, of course, some will die to live eternally in the presence of God, Some will die physically to live eternally in the presence of God, but some will die to live eternally separated from God. 
And so we have an example of the significance of God's establishing punishment and even establishing death as punishment. So we, we have to be careful when we think of of capital punishment as something that would have been done away with in the new covenant because God has instituted the governmental authorities to dictate in their oversight how to deal with criminals and in particular, you know, cold-blooded murderers. And the Bible does support capital punishment in many instances, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, uh, and God has given government the authority to determine when capital punishment is due. Um, but I don't believe God opposes capital punishment in all instances, no. Okay, then. Okay, so, well then, I guess on Judgment Day, then, people who have been put to death unlawfully and wrongfully, that is where God will step in and correct the judgment of that. No. No, because, you know, the people people in light of life, let, let's say that everybody has it wrong. I don't believe that, but let's just say for the sake of argument, everybody has it wrong, and all of these deaths would be interpreted as premature deaths, that somehow we all wish they would have left, they would have lived longer and they didn't. Um, they're still going to give account for their life of what they did with Jesus Christ before they died. That's what's going to happen okay. at the judgment seat. And there's okay. there's actually two judgments in eternity. Did you know that? There's yes, the, I understand that part. There's the judgment of the believer at the Bema seat, where you and I will answer for how we serve Jesus. And then there's the judgment at the great white throne judgment, where people, unbelievers will give account for their lives for rejecting Jesus Christ. And... As hard as it is to understand this, um, and it is hard to understand, believe me, even if the topic of capital punishment is not a part of it, death is hard for us all to deal with. And it, they, any death seems untimely and painful and, and so unnecessary, I guess. You know, it's just so painful to experience someone that dies. And even if they die at a young age and we're just like, this is just wrong and it's horrible. Um, but in the eternality and the knowledge of God, he knew all along the lifespan of that person. The days were already planned in the heart of God. So while you and I experience it, as we continue to live forward, the person lived exactly as long as they were ordained to live. Okay. Whole new can of worms. Thank you. So yeah, it is. Much. It's hard, you know, because none of us get everything perfect this side of eternity. You know, we're we're grasping. That's why it's good to ask questions like this, and it's good to patiently talk about them and exchange views and biblical understandings. I mean, the fact that criminal uh, capital punishment exists in the Bible is, you know, indisputable. It's it's all over the scriptures. Um, you know, kidnapping, murder, adultery, um, certainly. Um, some of the um, s- some of the categories for the nation of Israel have thus changed over time, but it doesn't minimize capital punishment. And and there's such a today, even among believers, there's there is a difficulty when 
government is given that authority. You know, you got on one hand, it's a deterrent to crime. On the other hand, innocent people die. And, you know, both of those sides are accurate. And here we are just trying to live in an orderly, godly society with a disorderly, ungodly world. And and so on the simple side, you know, even though it does open a can of worms, on the simple side, in answer to your original question, God is absolutely not against all forms of capital punishment. Um, okay. Um, can I just ask one more quick question? Sure. And probably a weird question, but when in, in, I can't remember if it's Psalm 94 or 95, but I know it's one of the, it's a verse in one of the Psalms in the 90s. Um, it says, God says, I reserve the unjust for the day of judgment. Sure. Um, can you expand a little bit on what that means? I, I personally, um, I'm, it's a scary verse for me. Okay. Why is it scary yeah. for you? Okay, because we're talking about God here, and if He's reserving that judgment for Himself, I mean, I know we all have to stand in front of Him, but can you really imagine standing in front of God and going and Him saying, "What did you do?" And you're going, "Ah, ah, ah." Yeah, that's not a good okay. sight. That's well, literally being called to the carpet. Here's the passage, um, or at least a similar passage. It may not be the one you're thinking of, but it says in Second Peter chapter two, verse nine, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Okay. And both sides of that scripture is true. For those who desire a relationship with Jesus Christ and come to him in repentance, will enjoy the presence of God, will have a sense of freedom and forgiveness of the uh, within the, a relationship with God, whereas those who resist and rebel will be reserved under punishment until the final day of judgment. They basically won't get away with it. They won't get away okay. with their unjust behavior. They won't get away with their rebellion. They won't get away with their resistance to God, their denial of God, their denial of Messiah, whereas God, he knows how to deliver the godly. He He knows, and that, you know, the essence of what Peter's saying here goes back to righteous Lot, who was making a lot of bad decisions, living in a really corrupt city, participating in the sin of that city, exposing his family to that sin, and yet God still delivered him. And he is a delivering God. Jesus himself came, remember? He came not, he said, I came not to condemn, but to save. And so as you reevaluate your life, that what you're describing can very much be a catalyst for your holy behavior. And let me tell you what you're describing, what the way you explain it to me is you have a healthy fear of God. And that is a good thing to have, to have a high respect of God and honor him in this life means that you'll be able to stand at the bema seat of Christ covered by his blood, covered by his righteousness to actually stand and be rewarded. And that's the, that's harder to think about, isn't it? To think that God would reward me of such a crumb I can be and how many mistakes I've made. 
But you know, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for things to help us. He's looking for things to bless us. He's looking to purify us so that we might enjoy him more. And it just depends on what side of that verse you emphasize. And that second part of the verse doesn't scare me at all, at all, not at all. You know why? Because God has delivered me from every temptation, and I am his son, and he's going to treat me as his adopted son by faith in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this before we close, Lisa. You ready? Yeah. Are you a born-again woman by faith in Jesus Christ? Yes, I think so. I mean, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Okay. And I know I mess up a lot. What causes you to say, I think so? Because I just keep thinking that, gosh, with all the mistakes that I've made, why would he want to save me? But then I have to remember that. I have to keep reminding myself that that is a lie from the enemy, that he does love me and he does save me. Yes, he does. You are a daughter of the King. You are bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes. And you know what? What happens with all the mistakes you make and all the sins you participate in, you just live a miserable life. And it's not God's will for you to be miserable. He wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to live apart from sin. He wants you to learn from your mistakes and the consequences you bear with. He wants you like any dad would. I have a daughter, and I want her to enjoy our relationship. I want to enjoy life with her. I want to bless her. I want to encourage her. I want her. I want to be her. You know, again, this isn't describing God, but as a dad, I want to be her number one cheerleader. I want her to be happy. I want her to learn. And you know, if that's a human dad, how much more our heavenly Father wants Lisa to enjoy the life you've been given? And one of the ways He wants you to enjoy life is to give you direction of things to stay away from sin that will wreck yeah. your life and make you miserable. And yep. You don't have to fear God that he's going to come down. And maybe you were raised in a religious system that used guilt and manipulation. Were you raised in a religious system that guilted you all the time? Um, honestly, I don't know. I don't think so. I was okay. raised Episcopal, but I don't really think I was taught okay. how to have a real relationship with God. But did they teach you how taught, to be fearful and be guilty all the time and think God wasn't happy with you? I guess in a way, but I think it was more that I didn't have a relate. Like God yeah. was more of like, God is there and I am here. Sure. There was no real, there was no, like, now I talk to God yes. more. Where before, I guess I was only taught that the only time, all you do is pray, but prayer seems disconnected. It does, I don't know if that means yeah. anything. It just, it just felt like, it, it felt formal. It didn't feel like a father-daughter <clears throat> relationship. Yes. It felt very formal and very, very rigid. It wasn't something where, you know, you know, like when you're a little girl and, you know, you would sit down by your dad and you would lean against his shoulder mm. or lean against him and just talk? Yep. It wasn't something like that. It was just this rigid formality. So I always felt that God yeah. just looked at me and was just like, you know, yeah, you are there and I'm here. But mm. now 
I'm beginning to learn that he really does want to have a relationship with you. Like, for example, the Holy Spirit taught me that, um, you know, in the Garden of Eden, if that third, that third um, chapter, when Adam and Eve sinned, he said, you know, it said, Adam heard God's footsteps. To me, that's having that direct communication with God. That's right. So I can actually have a direct communication with Him. And and you you also bring out a really good um, part of the Bible that reflects the character of God, because when Adam and Eve sinned and tried to hide themselves, God pursued them. He pursued yeah. the relationship, and then He called out to them, and then He invited them to Himself. And so you have nothing to fear in Christ at the great white throne judgment, nothing. Thanks. Thank you for answering, Pastor Ed. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye, love. 303-690-3000. Great follow-up question uh, by text real quick. Let me get it to it. It says, uh, I was surprised by your answer. If God approves some capital punishment... Wouldn't some people try to claim that he approves abortion? Well, that, that's a great question, and I'm glad that my answer startled you and caused you to ask a follow-up question. That's wonderful. So we're talking two categories here, and we need to be very careful that we keep each category in its own rightful place. So let me just simplify it. In the most simple way, capital punishment is the death of a guilty person. Abortion is the death of an innocent person. So there are two very different categories. Even with the categories, of course people would try to claim that, that, he, that God approves of abortion, but they won't, make, they won't and they can't make that argument from the Bible. They would have to make up God in their own image, whereas God is crystal clear on both accounts, on both categories— For the innocent, life is to be maintained. For the guilty, an appropriate punishment must come. So I'm glad that you you texted in. Uh, Great question, but it's not as complicated as you might think. 303-690-3000. Let's go over to Shay in Brighton. Shay, welcome to the program. Hi there. Hi. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good. I have a five-month-old baby, so we'll see how we, <laughs> if he can hang in there. Uh, no problem. Um, so I just want some, I guess, guidance um, or wisdom from you okay. regarding this. I, it's something I've been, we've been praying about as a family. Um, okay. We are, we have um, a five-year-old, a six-year-old, and a five-month-old. Yes. And um, we lived in Castle Rock, and we attended Calvary Castle Rock. We found it through... COVID, because our church kept their doors closed, Okay, and we just loved Dave's teaching. Um, we we did a lot of growing through the period of COVID. We, sh- we got rid of our cable. We spent a lot more time in the Word. Oh, fantastic. And, um, yeah, and, it, and I think COVID kind of revealed a lot of things yeah. for us. Um, it, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, separated the wheat and the chaff as far as churches go, and we just realized that we were not you know, getting, you know, as much substance. And then when we went to Calvary Castle Rock, we, we just learned and grew so much. Okay. And um, so 
we decided we wanted to get closer to grandparents when we found out we were having our third child. And so we moved up to Brighton. Yes. And we figured, you know, if we did some pre-research before we moved just to kind of make sure that there would be some good options of churches. Um, and we have been searching for churches um, diligently. We do not miss a Sunday. And um, we are loving that my parent, my children have their grandparents close. Yes. However, we just cannot, I mean, we, we loved Calvary, Castle Rock, um, and that was just such a special church to us. And so it feels really hard to find anything. And we we actually ended up stretching our radius, and we ended up attending Calvary Aurora for a couple months. Okay. Um, and we really That's appreciate your teaching and the doctrine there. Yes. And but we struggle with it because it's 35 minutes and that's in, you know, with no bad weather. Right. Um, and we also are a homeschooling family um, and I'm a stay at home mom. And so to us church, you know, having community at church of course. is really important yes. for, for, you know, us as a family and for our girls. And so we are just struggling because we feel like there's a lot of churches nowadays where they preach, you know, there's a lot of talking and, it's, you know, maybe two or three Bible verses. And that seems like the bulk of churches nowadays. Um, and then, you know, the churches that we found that have, you know, more meet the message and more sound doctrine, they, a lot of them are very, very small. And so we just don't feel like it meets the needs. Um, and that was why we ended up, you know, getting, you know, as far out as 35 minutes to come sure. to Calvary Aurora. And so, I guess my general question is, is, you know, it feels like now it's been a decent period of time where we've been church hunting, and it just feels like it's very disheartening because on Sundays you just, you know, you want to have your church home and you want to feel connected, but in a lot of ways your church feels like it's pretty far for us. Um, and you know, I looked up the small groups when you guys just rolled those out, because in a big church like yours, you obviously have to really get connected in, in other ways in order uh -huh. to meet people and have that community. Yes. And um, the small groups are pretty far from us. The ones with kids were, yes. you know, a ways away. And so we're we're just, I guess my, my question is just in general, you know, if you were in our shoes or, you know, what would your advice be? Because it feels like, we don't want to sacrifice on the sound doctrine and the verse-by-verse -verse teaching, and we also don't want to sacrifice—and the other thing I will say is that we really feel like, um, having delved a lot into Bible prophecy in the last couple of years, we really feel like we are getting very close, Yes, and we are in the last days, and it is so refreshing, you know, that you've, you've made little comments here and there about that. It's so refreshing to go to a church that sees that, because— that should be something that pastors are talking to their flock about. It gives us, obviously, hope, and it also lets people know that the doors are closing and we are losing time to get people to Jesus. And so, you know, it's like, where, what, do, what do you compromise on? Do you um, drive far? You know, we have, you know, young kids, so it's earlier bedtimes, and a of lot of the connecting ways to connect, it, it, it makes it hard to have it be a church that's you know, 35 minutes away, and maybe small groups could be even further than that. Sure. So where 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 do you go from <clears throat> here? Do you pick a small church where there's not community for your kids, 
there's, you know, almost well, let, let's, let's stop. Let's or, go ahead and I think I got a good grasp. Let's because we're okay. going to run out of time here. Um, yeah. So I, I think I got a good grasp of where you're at. I'm going to give you two sides to the answer. OK, because you asked me directly, Ed, what would I do? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I was also a dad uh, with a young family. Uh, I am still a dad, but not so young. And I went, my wife and I attended a church uh, in Southern mm-hmm. California for eight years before we moved here. And okay. we, we made the drive. And yeah. we made the drive to all the the, the uh, home groups that were farther from our house. Even the home group yeah. I led were in different places. We made the drive. Right. And I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. God sent us to that church. And I wasn't going to leave until God told us to leave. Right. So I made it much simpler than you're making it. I believe, yeah. and I, I still today ta- teach our church that the best way to know what church to attend is the one that God affirms and confirms you should be in. Mm-hmm. And, and that covers mm-hmm. all the other issues. Because no church right. is going to meet all our criteria. No church is going to meet everything that we want all the time at the same time. Even our church right. here in 22 years has changed dramatically. And you know what we might have been able to do 15 years ago, we're not doing anymore. And it's just changed. Right. You know, we're still teaching the word. Some things will never change, mm-hmm. but all those other things have changed. And so we're not even the same church we were 15 years ago. So that's my answer. You said, Ed, what would you do? That's what I would do. Now, okay. pastorally, okay. you know, pastorally, there is a great Calvary Chapel in Brighton. Um, and, and and to be completely honest, we've, we, we struggle because we feel like, you know, as I mentioned COVID, we feel like um, that there were a lot of churches, you know, it's very clear biblically that we're not to live in fear. And we're, we're to project to the outside world, we're to show them what that looks like. So that they can go, oh, what do they have? Because I want that. You know, I want that piece. And COVID kind of, I feel like there was churches that kept their doors closed longer. There were churches where you saw, you know, masks and glove wearing. And yeah, we, hand we were. We were everywhere. But 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 you know? pause for a second because the criteria you're using is is going to lead to more confusion. Because if you came mm-hmm. to our church here, mm-hmm. we had face coverings on till the very end. Right. And and I did, right. it wasn't fear. We weren't walking around fearful. We weren't walking around. We were walking around with love and compassion for our community. We were walking around with, mm-hmm. man, what is, what's the big deal? Um, well, they're forcing us. Nobody's forcing us to do this. We're doing it out of right. love, out of humility. And, and mm-hmm. it's something that we could do that would also show mm-hmm. the world um, that, hey, we care about you too. And we care about our neighbor. And this is one small way. So like, like as you process this, I, I think that I would ask you to be careful of making those conclusions. I mean, you should ask Paul if that's a concern you have. Ask Paul. Paul, are you walking around fearful? Um, I, I'm 100% certain he will say no. And then he will give you whatever reasons. Now, you could disagree with those reasons. That's okay. There's been a lot of disagreement in the body of Christ. But I want to reveal to you that that the disagreements need to be dealt with quickly because it's keeping your family in limbo. And I know for sure we have all kinds of different views and opinions, and that's okay. God allows that. But I know this for sure, that neither you and I can disagree. God does not want your family churchless and in limbo. Right. And I, I 100% agree with that, and I think we're feeling that right now. And I, I guess, so here's the other, the other piece of that with 
um, the Calvary that's nearest to us, is that there's, you know, they still have something on their website talking about how you cannot go without a mask. It says, it, it says something, and I'm, I'm not going to say specific, this is the exact wording, but yeah. basically to the aspect of, you know, if you're not vaccinated, please continue to wear a mask, you know, please wear a mask, but they're not going to check, you know. And so that, that, to be honest with you, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Well, here's, um, here's what I suggest, because we're almost out of time. What I yeah. suggest is not just the website. Sometimes we forget to update websites or anything. The best thing to do is to talk to Paul. Mm-hmm. Pastor Paul will talk to you. He, yeah. he will communicate with you, and he will answer questions. It, you may find that that's not the right fit for you. That's okay. Right. I, can, I think we can all respect that. Um, even Calvary Aurora is not a good fit because it's a distance. Um, but there are other Calvaries. You know, Greeley's not too far from you. Westminster's not too far from you. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple in Westminster. Um, not Westminster. I mean, Jeff is in Westminster, but uh, nor- not North Glen, is it? What's next to there? Um, John Nunnally's up there. So there's some great churches in that. Thornton. Thornton. There's some great churches of friends of mine. But I would just say, even before you leave Brighton, talk to Paul. Ask him your questions. Let him explain himself. Every pastor would love that. Let him explain himself. And that way, at least you can make an informed decision on what he's thinking. Um, Because you guys can't be in limbo. You hear the music. I got to go. Bye-bye. Bye, Shay. All right. Great conversations. I love this. I love growing together in grace. We're going to be in Bible study tonight, 7 p.m. And it is perfectly okay. I'm looking at someone that drives 30 minutes right now. It's okay to drive 30 minutes to church. You can get involved in every community you live and everything along the way. See you tonight. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.